It's good to be with you guys. Please grab your Bibles. Go with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 10. It's good to be with you guys. Um, while we were doing worship, my mom was texting me. Uh, I have such an interesting relationship with her. What are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm in Colorado. <laughs> We're going to start in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. It says this, And then when that happened, Jesus was reclining at the table of the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? But Jesus heard this. He said, It is not the healthy who need the doctor, but those who are sick. Go learn what this means. I desire compassion, not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Lord, as we turn to your word, we ask that you would speak clearly to us. Uh, Take what's happened 2,000 years ago and just bring it into our everyday existence and change us by your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Interesting, uh, Matthew chapter 9, if you guys are reading through the Gospels, when you get to Matthew chapter 9, it's very powerful chapter because there's literally so much healing going on that it's actually um, shocking everybody that's witnessing Jesus doing this. And now Jesus is, can you imagine, he's healing people and doing all this, and now he's reclining and having a conversation with uh, sinners and tax collectors, and this is making the Pharisees upset. Now, when I was getting ready for this, I usually when I travel on Easter, I'm always thinking, well, I'm going to teach on something about the life and death of Jesus and the resurrection. And the Lord was really focusing my attention on really to get ready for the next, I believe, few months that are coming into the body of Christ. So join me in this. I think this will have something to do with the resurrection. I hope so. But I'm going to try to get you guys ready for the next couple months, okay? This is very interesting that the religious leaders of the day could not see people clearly because of their training. They had gotten to the point that if you know a scribe or a Pharisee, if you've ever had anyone lay out what a scribe or Pharisee is, they're the ones that are the holy ones. They're they're better, in a sense. They're, They're more committed to God. They're more, the Lord is, in their estimation, uh, righteous, and they believe that they will not defile themselves. In the way, and they're so committed in their life that they're giving everything they have. They're memorizing the Torah. I mean, these are the committed people, and their commitment has turned them to a place where they can't even see people. They've gotten to the point that their belief and their walk with God has caused them to become the perfect religious person. Now, what is the perfect religious person? By the way, Jesus is contrasting himself between the perfect religious person, at least in his day. So what was the perfect religious person? It was people trying to make sure that they stayed away from unclean, disgusting people that were full of sin. And they were very intense on taking their standard of walking with God and making it a weight for everybody else, and then because everyone else didn't have 
24-7 to do this. They had to work and do stuff like that. They rose themselves up as being superior. So these are the people that say they know God the best, and yet they can't represent him properly. And here Jesus is entering into this scene. So let's just begin to work through this. Jesus said, when Jesus heard him say what he said, why are they eating with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician. Now this is interesting. The, the way this word, the reason I'm actually pulling this one and, and talking with you about it is, this doesn't mean physical health. I was actually surprised when I saw this. This actually means full of life. So you get ready? It's not the people that are full of life who need a physician. It's the sick. Now, interesting enough, he's actually pointing to a contrast. What is a person that, if they really know God, what are they actually like? What are they actually like? They're full of life. What kind of life? They're full of something. All right, and so he says, it's not the the people that are full of life who need a physician, those who are sick. Now, Catch what he's saying. He's taking a natural picture, and he's beginning to have a conversation with people that believe they know God better than the rest of the culture, and they're the ones that to sit on judgment on everybody. He's now beginning to have a conversation with them, and he's saying, what's your, if you know, if you say you know God, what's your responsibility with the human race? What are you supposed to be doing with people? This is interesting. It's not the people full of life who need a physician, it's the sick. And then he says this, go learn what this means. Now, interesting, the word learn here is actually fascinating because it's not, this is not the word that's used in scripture for reading information, gaining knowledge, and because you can put facts into your your head, you understand something. This is the type of knowledge, learning, that you actually have to involve yourself into people's lives, and by involving yourself in their lives, you gain knowledge about what's called the human experience. Now, these are the people that have actually, remember, these are the people that say they know God better than everybody else, and they know how to tell everybody else how to live for God, and Jesus is now saying you actually need to go back and hang out with people because you, you don't understand anything of what you're doing now. He says, go learn. Go learn by experience. Give yourself to the process of seeing what people are really going through. Now, I'm always making a joke. Have any of you have ever gone to Minnesota or are from Minnesota? (laughs) Who said amen? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, there's There's always a joke that's going on in the body of Christ in Minnesota because they're Catholics and Lutherans up there, and they're Swedish in their background, so they're very reserved as people. If you ever go up to Minnesota, there's this whole culture up there, and their their main desire of walking with the Lord is they want to go on retreats all the time. Now, an interesting thing, I, I sometimes God... Um, requires me to go in the middle of stuff that I'm very uncomfortable with. And during this last year, we, we didn't just have what was called a, a, a disease going through the nations. We also had the culture responding uh, in violence. And several times in my walk with the Lord over the last 30 years, God has taken me to places where there's intense violence being expressed, and he makes me go there. Um, so when the World Trade Center 
the whole thing on 9-11 happened, I was scheduled to do a pastor's conference in New York. And um, I called them and said, should we cancel? And they're like, no, come on down. So I come there thinking, well, how do you do a pastor's conference after we've just had a tragedy? And one of the pastors said, hey, we want you to come in a day early because we want you to go down to the World Trade Center with us. This was three days after it happened. I said, what do you mean go down there? I mean, go down and look at it? He goes, no, uh, Rudy Giuliani has asked all the pastors in the whole entire New York State to come down and volunteer to go down to the site specifically and start ministering to the workers and try to do um, relief work. And since you're coming, would you like to have that opportunity? My response was, no. Uh, and so they, oh, come on, Brian. And so they talked me into it. And so I land a day early. And we're driving from upstate New York down to New York City. And, and the city is in a, a state of terror because of this. And we go down to the site. I, so um, I don't know if this is relevant for you. But I had to go to a Catholic store. That's the only way I know it, for priests to get the vestment because I had to have a collar to go through to be identified as one of the ministers. So I had to get a Catholic priest neck thing, which that was a lot of fun to wear. And everyone, when everybody saw me with it, they started calling me father all the time. Um, okay. So I'm now, you guys, you get it? I'm on the ground. I'm now through the barricade where no one else can go. And my job is to go meet all these people that are trying to do work. Of, yeah, I mean, where I went, um, they had this constant um, fire truck shooting water because they were trying to pull up parts of the Twin Towers. And when they do, because there was so much gasoline there, it would burst into flames. So they had a constant shower of water going 24-7 on it so they can actually get the start digging for the bodies and stuff. And I ended up, can you imagine how God does stuff? I end up in... Uh, uh, a place they had already dug out, and um, I kind of went into shock because I'm walking by, and there's women's um, makeup kits laying on the ground, and I, I don't mean to be disgusting, but there are fingers and hands and feet, and, and I'm walking around, and I make my, yeah, that is kind of disgusting, sorry about that, I make my way over to a gentleman, and he's putting the remains of someone in a body bag, and I go up to him, and we begin to have a conversation. Now, they, they had already cautioned me before I went, we don't want you sermonizing or anything. We want you listening to the people. So I said, how are you doing? It was this Asian gentleman. And he's crying. And I said, well, how are you doing? And he goes, Father, can I just confess my sins to you right now? What do you do in a situation like that? I said, um... I thought, should I give him the Protestant treaty or any of that stuff? And so I said, sure, let's go ahead and do that. And he, he gets on his knees, and I don't know how they do it in Catholic churches, so I got on my knees with him, and he's literally looking at me in the, in the face, and he's telling me all his sins, and then he's asking me, why, why did God not take my life? One of my friends went in to save someone's life, and he was killed. And we're having this intense conversation. And think about that. God takes me down there to make me learn where people are at. The whole day was really rough because 
not only did we did I help with that kind of stuff all day long, um, I went over into this church and we started doing relief work in a Presbyterian church and then I ended up on the third floor of a hotel room with workers and just watching them sob and work through having to do all this work. Now, why would God send someone who studies scripture into the middle of something like that? Because my heart needs to be changed by living in the real world and not studying a book. Guys, remember Columbine? It should be. It's pretty close to you guys. That happened three days later. I was out here. And so a bunch of ministers and I took off in a car over to Columbine. And when you go to these places, there's always this solemnness to it. It's very quiet. And people, at some point, someone put a cross on the hill. And so people were making this trek to this hill, and I found myself inevitably making it to up there, and I just wanted to stand there and go, literally, is my heart so hard I have to come to these places and see this? And inevitably, people are now talking to me, and we're now dealing with what's going on in their lives. And then you guys had the shooting here in the theaters, Next day I was out here, and so Cliff and I took off to where the theater is at, and there we are again with another group of people. What is going on in life? And then, literally, last year when all this stuff was going on, riots started happening in downtown Minneapolis. And I actually, uh, some of the people that I do ministry with up in Minnesota, I've been working with them for over a decade in the inner cities trying to do ministry. And God takes me, so get this, in downtown Minneapolis, because of my color, I'm considered part of the problem, and God sends me in the middle of it for a decade to do ministry. And ministers in those places and people in those places don't trust me because of what I represent. And it's taken years to try to work with them to do that. And so after the, the riots started happening, this person who works in the inner city they also are part of the city council, and so they took me right down to where all the riots were at. And there's something, the way that it was reported in the news and what was going on on the ground was such a contrast. Because when I went down there, everyone was afraid that they were going to be attacked because they had chased the police off from that area. And I'm just going around looking at it because they had this big fist in the middle of the street, and then they had this park area with all these tombs of people that were supposed to have been killed by the police. And I'm, and I'm just sitting there realizing God wants me here to change my heart so I can see what's going on with people. And then we ended up, yeah, I don't know if you guys knew this, but it wasn't really widely reported in the news, but a Pentecostal church right across the street from where the whole situation happened built a stage and put it in the middle of the city square, and every night for months on end, uh, a group of people from all around the city would come, or actually around the nations, come and worship and present the gospel. Now, again, you're not going to hear this in regular media, but thousands of people came to the Lord right down there because a Pentecostal church decided they were going to be involved with what was going on with the people. Now, are you guys ready for this? 
there's something about not seeing humanity where they are and us walking with God that we have to make the connection come together. If we talk about Jesus being raised from the dead, the one thing that he has given us that no one else gets to experience is not only the forgiveness of sin, but a quality of life so that we can see where they're at and turn towards them to bring them to a loving father. Now let's look at the passage again a little farther. It's, go learn what this means. It's not, it's, um, sorry, it's not the sick. I'm sorry, it's not the healthy who need a physician, but the sick. Go learn what this means. I desire compassion. This word desire is interesting because words from certain generations, as they go through human history, they change the meaning. And when you go from one culture to another, they also change the meaning. The word desire here is not based on fleshly things. The Greek word for desire here means the core of something. Okay? Now, when Jesus said, go learn what this means, what this means I desire uh, compassion, not sacrifice, the next part of that word learn means reflect until it becomes a part of you. Now, get this. Jesus is talking about, here I'm talking with sinners, and I'm talking with tax collectors, the very people you say are not only just sinful, they're the worst of all sinners. I'm here with them, and I'm now having to give you an object lesson. If you say you actually know God better than everybody else, you need to go put yourself here, and you need to reflect on this until you get in line with this. I desire compassion, not sacrifice. Now, that, think about that. If I had uh, a sponge in my hand and I uh, squeezed it as hard as I could, when I squeezed it all the way to the point where the last drop came out, that last drop represents the core of something. Okay? That's what the word desire means. So, guys, he's now reflecting back to them. If you say you know him... Your core should reflect his nature. What's his nature? Compassion. As Paula started this, she started a conversation, what have last year has been like? You, you, you and all, all of us have lived this last year. And we've watched the society try to deal with something that they actually really aren't equipped to deal with. Actually, we're all not equipped to deal with all this. And what it's done is it's, it's, um, it's ripped off a bandage off the culture, and if you can actually see it, you can see what's going on when you get around people, that the, in our culture we have this really clever way of hiding the sickness that's among the culture because of our prosperity. What's happened now is because of this, and I don't even want to get into who started it or where it came from, but because of the way it is now, all those things that people used to put in place to actually feel like, well, there's evil on the planet, but it doesn't affect me, that's been ripped off, and people have to face it now. And we have to face it. And I have had the Lord, I don't know if you guys have had this, I have had the Lord come and say, Brian, when pressure is applied to you, I get to see how much grace is actually inside of you. So I don't know if you guys feel joy in that <laughs> because when I started going through this, when pressure started being put on me, there wasn't a lot of grace coming out of me. There was a lot of whining. 
there was a lot of complaining. <laughs> okay, so let's come over here and talk about that for a minute. Have any of you ever had a chance to go like outside of Colorado and do missions? Uh, even outside of the United States, have any of you ever? Do you know that you actually prepare yourself to endure when you go on missions trips? But you also know in your mind when you get back you don't have to anymore? Right? So you go to wherever you go to an impoverished nation. They have to live with that 24-7. You go in it to actually do some form of relief or the presenting of the gospel. But you all know you get to get on a plane and fly back here and deal with none of that. Right? I mean, we all know that. And you actually prepare yourself to put up with stuff. Now, isn't this funny? The last year, you can't fly to the United, hypothetically, you can't fly to the United States and get out of it anymore. You get to experience what everyone else gets to experience all the time. We get to experience it at the same time. That this has been for my own soul on walking with the Lord and how much of the love of God has been in my soul the last year, I have been shocked at how little depth I have. <laughs> You're not laughing. I'm enjoying it. I mean, so think about that. I desire, I want to get to the core of you, and I want you to get this in you. I want compassion coming out of you when you're pressed. So let's take the word compassion so that we're not getting silly with this. The Greek word for compassion does not mean sympathy. This is actually the Greek word. It's used to describe a glass that's empty and something coming from a source outside of itself, filling it, not just filling it, but filling it to the brim to where it actually overflows. And when it overflows, it relieves the suffering for whatever it was filled for. Okay, so when Jesus went, he said, saw people hurting and broken, he didn't go, wow, that's too bad. You're reaping what you sowed. You guys notice that? He didn't, he didn't say, well, you know, according to the law, you've, you've broken, I don't know how many laws that the Lord has had and the judgment of God is, you deserve what you get, so just really enjoy suffering. That's not how he responded in the situation. So you guys get it? This is the, this is the fun, hard part of the kingdom of God. If Jesus says, I desire compassion, not sacrifice, he's telling you two things about my heart and your heart and what he's dealing with with the Pharisees. It's easy to be religious more than it is to be godly. It's easy to try to say, well, I'll give or I'll serve here. But you guys get it? All giving and serving and all of that is to squeeze you so that you'll, draw, you'll get rid of human sympathy Get into a desperate place and ask for biblical compassion to fill you. So Jesus said this. Uh, he said, I desire compassion, not sacrifice. And he actually focuses it. And I'm going to do that with you here, but I want to say something. This is when I started studying in Scripture what it meant to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world that Jesus says you and I are. I didn't actually realize the implication of it until I started studying it. Where do you want light to go? In a dark room. So if you're the light of the world, you walking with the Lord Jesus Christ means he's got to put you in the darkest place. 
If you're the salt of the world, salt is for preserving things and giving favor or flavor to something. So if you're the salt of the earth, where does he have to put you? He has to put you with the most corrupt thing so that you can preserve it and bring the favor of God to it. Now, how many of you want to sign up for Christianity? <laughs> now, you have Jesus actually telling you, I'm going to send you there, and there should be something in your heart that says, I don't want to go there. All right? Why am I being honest with you? Well, because it's the eve before the resurrection day. Hopefully I'm honest with you all the time. But let's really drive to what I'm being honest with you about. When Jesus says, hey, go learn what this means. I desire compassion, not sacrifice. People think that means Jesus expects me to somehow dig a well inside of myself and find this in myself and then learn to live out of it. And actually what he's doing is he's saying, you guys have studied the scripture for your whole entire life and you haven't produced the compassion that I want you to get. So now I want you to get it. This thing you're doing that you think means you're following me, you've, you're not coming to me so that I can give you my compassion so that you can minister out of it. You're thinking this produces the compassion of God, and all it's made you is a brow-beating legalist. <laughs> all right. So you see this in James. James has this kind of, what's true religion? It says, what does it mean to actually say you know God? You guys ready? It means you have to empty yourself and receive life from another uh, arena and live out of that existence and do the things that Jesus does. So when we talk about the life, death, and resurrection, especially about the resurrection, what we have is that term resurrected life means it's a quality of life that comes from the kingdom that you do not naturally possess inside yourself. You have to come and lay your own life down and take his life that is actually a real exchange inside your soul and let him lift you up to be like him. That's why these standards are way beyond your own ability to produce because he wants you to think, there's no way I can do it, so you'll give up. <laughs> okay, let's go back to it. I desire compassion rather than sacrifice. Uh, the Lord started having this conversation with me about, stop. He, he really just had this conversation with me about how unimpressed he is with people sacrificing for him. And he started kind of going towards me about it. And he, he had this conversation with me. It's not really a fun one. I hope you guys can go with me on this. One time he said, Brian, when you, a lot of times your walk with me is like you going in for a pep rally when you were in high school. Do you guys remember the pep rallies for the football teams in high school? They made us all get out of class whether we wanted to or not. And we had to go into the gym. And especially, I was from Pueblo, Colorado. Our football team lost all the time. So these were not exciting pep rallies. Uh, <laughs> It was, more in a, it was more of a spectacle, watch the cheerleaders do their routine, and then we'd clap because we knew the next week they were going to lose. All right? So we had a losing football team. It was really exciting. And what do you do when you're at a pep rally? You sit there, and the goal is to hype everybody up, and, the power, and it's how loud you can get. Somehow that's supposed to motivate the football team to find some ability they didn't have 10 weeks before when they lost all the other games. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and this is, you guys get it? This activity, we think, is 
some, uh, if you ever think about uh, football rallies, just think about them. They're supposed to somehow do something and please, we're doing this for somebody, right? Because all the kids in my class, we all hated it and tried to figure out how to get out of it, but the teachers would corner us to go into the gymnasium whether we wanted to or not. Did you guys go to the same high school I did? did you? Okay. All right. They only did it for football, too. Isn't that amazing? They didn't do it for the baseball teams or anything. It's just football team. Anyways. So back to the story. So the Lord has this conversation with me one day, and he says, this is kind of what you're like with me, Brian. He says, you come in and you worship me and you connect with my heart because you know this is what I've called you to do. And you have a pep rally with yourself. Yeah, yeah, for Jesus. Yeah, yeah, for Jesus. And then some minister says something. Hey, why, why don't you make a commitment to the Lord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I make a commitment to the Lord and I write really good notes on my paper and I think, yes. And then I walk out the door and do nothing that was said to me. I just put it in a file. Wasn't that a great sermon? And so the Lord really started having a conversation with me. He said, it really doesn't please me when you say yes, yes to something and don't do it. He said, it'd be better if you just don't agree to it. Is that kind of intense? Now think about that with me. Why would he say something like that? I, I'm like you. I believe I love the Lord. I've given my life to him. But why would he say something like that to me? Because he was going after, he was trying to get me to come to the end of something that I couldn't conceptually understand. He's not looking at me to impress him. He's looking at me to die so that he can resurrect me with his own ability. And all this other stuff I'm doing that's trying to keep me from that place is actually me telling the Lord, I know how to live this life without you better than dying and letting you live your life through me. And we all know that you're saved by grace, right? But most of us actually are trying to earn God's favor, even though we're not getting saved. We're trying to earn it by doing religious activities, and we're not seeing what he's seeing. Okay, let's keep moving on. I desire compassion, not sacrifice. And then he says this, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, this whole conversation started with Jesus saying, the, the people that are vitally alive, they don't need a doctor. It's the sick. Now he's turning and he's saying, so that you understand what I'm working at, I'm working on what is sickness. It's people that are in bondage to sin, and he came, and it says this, I did not come to call the righteous. This, this is actually the whole, um, this is the title of the message, the call of Jesus. So if Jesus didn't come to call the righteous, and he's trying to get the Pharisees and the disciples to get this concept, what does this mean, the call? I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. It's an interesting word. And you guys ready? It actually means that a, it's an invitation to move from one state of existence into another. So there'd be no way that he could call the righteous to go from one state of existence into another. They're already there. There's no point in that call. So he's saying, I want you guys to get the big picture here before you do all the other things you do. If you can't look at other people that don't know me and realize your job is to go over there and say, look at this life, come and receive it, you're missing the big picture. And so all the other stuff you're doing 
isn't connecting with that. So I'll pick on Minnesota if you guys are okay. Let, no, let's do Iowa. Is anyone here from Iowa? So we have no one from Iowa. So it's safe to say this what I'm about to say, okay? Guys, I go to churches in Iowa with people that I believe are, in their own heart, believe they're very committed to the Lord. And they've not led anyone in the Lord in over 15 years. Now, that could have something to do with not being trained well in a group, but you guys get it? If I don't see people the way that Jesus does, and I don't hear that call. Now, you guys get it? There's a call going out from him all the time from the kingdom to sinners saying, come home. And we can get off over here in the kingdom, be justified by faith and going to heaven and miss almost everything that Jesus is doing in our generation because we don't recognize he's over there where that call is out. So you guys ready? Here's, here's a fun pre-Easter message for you. All the stuff that's been going on in the nations right now is to prepare a people to come to a father. Don't miss it. Let, if you don't see it, if your heart isn't moved towards it, get your heart before him. Die to the life you're trying to live and say, live your life through me. And he'll change you to see people. Everywhere I don't see people the way Jesus does, I already recognize I need to turn to him and let him change my heart because I cannot do it myself. I cannot do it myself. Now, all of you are looking at me, so let me tell you this story, and then we'll finish with this. It looks like I'm pretty comfortable up here, doesn't it? When I first came to the Lord, I had the fear of man on me so much. I couldn't stand in front of people. I could not communicate. And I saw this call that the Lord gave, and I tried in my own strength to do it. Not only did it not go well, by the way, this is how I used to present the gospel in my early 20s. Hey, if you die tonight, you realize you're going to burn in hell unless you turn to Jesus. That's kind of how I presented it to everybody. Well, that's truth, but I don't know if how much wisdom's in the middle of that. And so, not only was I doing a terrible job, I realized I actually don't, and this is hard to admit, I really don't care if people go to hell. Isn't that shocking to say that? And I realized at the very core of me, something wasn't right. And so, I got before the Lord and said, I, how do you love these people? Isn't that a weird way to talk to the Lord? Now, think about that. Jesus looked at you and said, you're beautiful. When we were filthy, disgusted, marred by sin and corruption, he said, you're beautiful. And he went after you. Can he give you that heart for people that you're around every day that actually gets on your nerves? That you actually want to hit in the head with a two-by-four? Three people over there think you can. You guys, right? But it isn't going to be you trying to repent out of your ability to do something. It's not going to be you trying to say, I'm more committed than the other. It's going to be you giving up and saying, I, Lord, cannot do this. You have got to give me your vision and your heart for people or it's never going to take place. 
And you guys get it? Do you hear this call? This is a call that he's coming towards you all the time. If you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to pick up your cross and you're going to have to follow me. For where, my, where I am at, my disciples are with me. So you guys get it? It means you get this whole beautiful existence that you get to die every day so the resurrection life can be alive in you so that you can be with Jesus. Do you guys hear what I'd call the bell ringing right now of the resurrection life calling you? Hey, I know it's hard, but listen, the bell's ringing right now. <laughs> Don't listen to what everyone, you're, you're listening to the wrong music. Tune your heart towards heaven. There's a call going right now for us in the body of Christ. It's time for your heart to get to the place it needs to be. You need to start seeing people what they're really going through right now. There's a conversation, and I've tried a lot of different ways of saying it, so let me wrap up with this. There's a heaven, heavenly conversation going on in the nations right now. And if you recognize it, you'll start seeing the conversation God's having with people. If you don't, you're going to think people are fearful, scared, and, and they're, they're a waste of time. But he's having a conversation with everybody right now. Don't miss it. Would you guys join me in prayer? All right, Lord, well, we turn our hearts to you and we say the very thing you say. Help us reflect and get this in us. You desire compassion or mercy more than sacrifice. Release your compassion so that we get used to it inside our souls. I thank you for resurrected new life. I thank you for the ability that it releases inside of us. Change our perspective on how we see things, Lord. We come and, like you tell us to do this day, and we say we give our lives to you. We die to what we want, and we say let your life come through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.